een keer dat jy geklik het om te luister na my Jean-Marie met Tunes Live. Tunes Live is een reeks geselsrige onderhoude wat ek voer met plaaslike muziekindustrie rolspelers en muzikante. Tunes Live is een voortspruitsel uit Tunes Studio en Tunes Studio is een rehearsalspace in Stellenbosch wat muziekondersteuningsdienste bied soos rehearsalspace, recordings, live sound, die retail van muziekproducte soewel as CD's, as ook muzieklesse by Notes Music School by Paul Bachner. Gepraat van Paul Bachner, die verhouding wat Tune Studio met Paul Bachner het, is dat Tune Studio verkoop producten van Paul Bachner. So enige iets wat jij bij Paul Bachner kan krijgen, kan je ook door Tune Studio koop. Je zal vragen, hoekom wil je dit doen? En die reden is bloot net, want dan werk jij met iemand wat je ken, als je mij nou al voor die tijd ken. En ik is natuurlijk een kleiner visie. En die kleiner visies is uh, misschien zo'n so beetje meer geneig om zo'n so beetje meer afslag te geven. Wie weet. Um, jylle kan uitvind, ons het een klerenseil geran in 2013, waar daar baie lekker winskoopies was, of pagens. En um, daar is nog van die producte oor, uh, daar is nog so hier en daar is daar nog, uh, is daar nog van die producte oor, en jylle kan gerust kom kyk daar by Tune Studio, na van die producte, um, Fender goeders, daar is pedals, bas, uh, daar is selfs nog een Mypex drum kit daar is een paar nice goeders kom check het uit um, die klerenseil hardloop nou nie meer nie maar daar is nog een paar, paar oorblijfsels daarvan en uh, goeie deals, goeders wat mense misgekyk het op ons CD vertoningsrakkie by Tune Studio is daar albums van Jakobijn Dragoons, The Young Folks Willem Welsijn Nebula Disrupt Riculati, Churchill Nudea, daar is ook een wasgoedlijn album, en so terloops die wasgoedlijn radio is nou beskikbaar om te stream van die internet af. Ga net na die wasgoedlijn.co.za of na tunestudio.co.za op een van die twee webwerwe gaan jy die link kan vind waar jy 24 uur dag na die wasgoedlijn radio kan luister met ongelooflike Afrikaanse alternatieve muziek op wat jy amper nergens anders te gaan kan hoor uh, op een publieke platform nie. Enrico Latti, sy nieuwe album, Hoop Die Boom is okay, is ook nou uit en hy is landswijd beskikbaar in my muzika. is nou een album waarop ek en Mark, wat die technische verzorging van hierdie show doen, wat ook op, al op die show was, actually al twee keer op die show was, en Enrico Latti, wat ook al op die show was, um, Ja, dit is nou, dit is een project wat, of een album waarop ek en Mark gespeel het, en dan sal ook een Victor Wolf album, wat jy saam met dit krijg, dit is een double album. So, daar ene sal jy moet gaan, gaan uitsniffel. Hezeron Chetty, die violist, die mad violinist, is vandag die gas op Tunes Live. Hy is een uiterst talentvolle bekwame man, wat al saam met menigte mense gewerk het, soos onder andere Brun, Medicine Boy, en hy het ook, hy speel ook solo shows, net, hy is er aan Chetty met sy Loopstation, en hy het ook sy eie band, hy is er aan Chetty in the Zok Song, spreek ek het recht uit, kom ons luister op die show, hoe dit uitgespreek word, en hierdie onderhoud is in Engels gedoen, so verskoon ma, as jy Afrikaans is, hoop jy kan volg, en verder het ek vir Hezeron by een feest met die naam van Endless Days, wat verlede jaar november plaasgevind het, dit was die tweede keer dat hulle die feest gehou het, so ver my kennistrek, en hierdie is, is rarig waar een boutiek lekker feest, want uh, hulle hou dit klein, en alhoewel dit klein is, in termen van getallen van mense wat die feest bijwoon, is dit word al erg baie moeite gedoen, en die, die acts wat speel ook word, nou keerig gekies, uh, dit is een psych rock festival, so gaan check dit asblief uit, Endless Days, uh, maak seker jy kry jou kaarkies vir hierdie jaarse Endless Days festival, dit word by Silverstroom Resort gehou, na by Melkbosstrand, en dit is net een twee dag festival van net lekkerte, en da, jy weet die ou festival gees, O, as jy nou een luisteraar is wat bykie, wat bykie ouwer is, en jy, jy luister nou, dan sal jy kan relate met dit. Die, die festivals van die late 90s en die early 2000s, ek denk aan goed as soos hangklip, daar was een paar, daar was so twee of drie hangklip feeste gewees, en Robertson Rocks, en sikke feeste, dit, dit, dit skep, dit geef my die gevoel, um, behalwe nou natuurlijk vir die feit dat dit in een heel te mal anders te, 
tijdperk is, maar rarig voor een lekker festival, lekker relax festival, check dit uit, endless days, en so gepraat van wie op die show is en die show, jullie moet asjeblief vir my e-post stuur by info at tunestudio.co.za wie jullie gelijk het so ver op die show, op die 14 uitgaves wat nou al uitgekom het, want as jy nie dit vir my sê nie, dan gaan ek nie weet wie om, wie om te kry nie, dit is een maatstaf om achter te kom, wat sy aspekte van hierdie industrie like jylle, wat sy type van muzikante hou jylle van, so ek skiet nou maar net hier in die donker, so asjeblief, communikeer met my, sê vir my, daar was cool, daar was nie cool nie, Dit sal lekker wees om van julle te hoor. Info at tunestudio.co.za Vinnig, voordat ons verder gaan, moet ons net gedankie sê aan mense wat ons ondersteun, mense wat al vir Tunestudio en Tunes Live gehelp het. Toverias Design het vir ons ons webwerf gebouw vir Tunestudio. Toverias Design is een multimedia specialist maatskapie. Hulle doen videos, websites, e-commerce, photography, digital marketing, designs, consultancy, social media strategies en hulle het selfs een online store vir waar plaaslike kunstenaars hulle merch kan stak en mense dit kan koop. Hulle klient is soos Valian Swart, Dan Patlansky, Dizzy Kaki en Mystic Boer Brandy. Dan moet ons ook vele dank sê aan die EMDC Stellies wat gereeld ons episodes herpost, herplaas en ook by hulle vergaderings pand. Die EMDC Stellies is een collectief wat wekeliks by mekaar kom om muziekonderwerpe te bespreek. Hulle doen onder andere album, genre en kunstenaar besprekings met dikwels quiz en movie nights tussenin gegooi. Vergaderings is gratis en geen instrumentale vermoens of kennis van die betrokken onderwerp is nodig om by te woon. Jy vind geris meer uit die EMDC Stellies en friend request op Facebook te stuur. Voort met die show. Hezron, you, to my mind, and you must excuse this now, but to my mind, I, I saw it, you, you sort of appeared very abruptly on the Cape Town music scene, and if I can just always do this with, with the start of the interview, well, when it's somebody that I know, um, you you came to a rehearsal at Tune Studio, that was the first time when I met you, yeah. um, and it was I was taken by surprise, because Riku never told me there's a violinist coming that, uh, to rehearse for the Wordfest shows, and... Um, you rocked up there and you're like yeah i'm hezron and then it started unfolding and then i'm like holy shit with this guy i'm a, i'm actually very honored to play with this guy because he's like it's really good and he's been all over the place like can you um tell me why, why might it seem that you sort of uh, come on the cape town music scene abruptly do you can you shed some light on that Abruptly, yeah. I, I, I think like uh, I, I, I think if you have to make an entrance, you have to make it quite abrupt. Ah, that's that's a nice <laughs> philosophical thing you know, to take home. No one's gonna notice who you are. Yeah, <laughs> you can't sneak in slowly. You after, can't. Yeah, you can't. No, I, I, how I, uh, how I came onto the scene, quite uh, um, like fast or quickly. Or whatever the, the term you want to use, it's like I I've, I've been around, but it's all in these different. There's so many different pockets of musicians around this country, yeah. and it's like suddenly you in one pocket of uh, musicians, and um, yeah. it was like that's meeting you at the studio that day. Um, it was jamming with Riku with this like experimental uh, Afrikaans music, um, and I'm all about like experimental music, and I, I suppose how we linked up and we met was was just from being in that circle at that pocket at that specific time and uh, that's very true and um i i do that in a lot of circles because I, I i i i like to think of myself as being versatile in um in my ability of on the violin i'm playing many different genres and, and yeah and, and uh 
I still want to ask you about that as yeah. well. So it's like just like you know those little pockets and these little abruptness, as you call it, shot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no man, that, throat, that's what it's about. It can really sounds like an insult, but no, it's, it's not. It's not an insult. It's it's, it's how it's such a nice way way to describe it. Yeah, it, it's kind of how it, how it perceived. Here's Ronchetti in the abruptness. Yeah. That bad name. So tell me more about you. You were. We're gonna get to your overseas trips and yes. stuff but I want to hear about um, what happened when you came back to SA and what like take me through through a bit of time what what did you do when you come back to SA what happened when I got back uh, to SA the first time um, I was trying to go back overseas so I was applying for visas and doing all of that while I was here to get back and play with the band that I was in um, at that time in the UK and um, so I, 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 I got back down but I realized that with the whole uh, legalities of everything that was going on with the visas and uh, Britain and Europe was going through a massive recession yeah so they were getting rid of as many uh, people that were not in that spe specific job as possible. Round about what time was this now? That was 2010. Okay, and you were what age? I was uh, 2010. Uh, I must have been like 26 or 27. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 26? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but sorry I interrupted you. Sorry, no, 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 and no. And, then, uh, and uh, I got back in the... the the label that we were part of in the, the that which was Shoot the Dog Records. What's uh, it called? Shoot the Dog yeah. Records. It was an independent label on that side. And um, they uh, helped me come back and uh, get the visa, the entertainment visa and all of that stuff. Okay. And um, I went back on the entertainment visa that time, but I was still touring Europe with that band. Um, They, the British made it quite difficult what, for... What like, was the band called? The Broken Sorry. Record Project. Oh, yes, I read, yeah, I read yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, so it was like, it was yeah the British made it difficult? Yeah, they made it difficult. We're trying to get back in um, for myself and uh, not well, and for many others because when I was uh, the first time I found out how difficult it was uh, with traveling around was you get a Schengen visa when you're in Europe. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, a whole lot of countries are under the Schengen, um, like uh, Italy, uh, France... Uh, Holland um, yeah. and uh, Spain and many other countries like and the UK it was a difficult pocket but uh, before that you could travel with the Schengen around but when you were on entertainment visa with the UK you could not travel into another country with the, their Schengen you had to go and apply sorry you couldn't apply yeah. in the UK anymore that was the second phase yeah. so I got back to South Africa I had to go and I toured with that band but it was very difficult in all the countries that I was going around with so yeah. I, I came back to South Africa again <laughs> after that and that was about uh, 2011. But mm -hmm. in that time that I was in South Africa for the six months, that's how long it took me for the first time to go back to apply for the visas. <laughs> so then you, in that time, you already went back overseas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I set up a songwriting company, uh, which was called Crazy N, because mm -hmm. I'm from Durban, Kazulu, itself. Yes. Yes. So it was Crazy N, so like KZN. Ah, and Crazy N. awesome. And uh, the whole thing about it was writing songs for artists producing it and releasing it and we had like uh, and you had a recording studio organized and everything yes yeah okay yeah. and yes. um, I went and uh, we, we did stuff with these artists and it was like uh, the artists we were working with was like Incha who was this um, uh, Chinese violin like young girl she was oh, from yeah? South Africa and uh Pixie Bennett uh, was uh, like one of the idol, idols uh, semi-finalists and uh, yeah. then it was Young Nations who was this hip-hop artist and um, we wrote a song for them and we released that while, we, while I was down in those six months applying for the visas I set this up and uh, with my um, um, musician mates at that time that we were in Crazy and together Andrew Ord and uh, uh, Musa Zwane um, yeah. Were they your collaborators? They were my collaborators yeah, yeah, yeah. as such. And uh, we set this up and we were mainly doing like pop and hip-hop stuff and a couple dance tunes. And then I went back to London all the while, uh, traveling around with that band, with the Broken Record Project in yeah. Europe. And uh, then we released the song in South Africa. And uh, it just, then that visa was very short. It was for a six-month period of time. 
So I had to come back to South Africa yeah. after that. And I got back to South Africa and I really established this and uh, I found that it was very difficult and cost me a lot of money to keep on going back and forward. Yeah. Um, so it sent me through quite a spiral because I haven't played with this band who are still my family. The, the drummers from uh, Netherlands, the Broken Record Project, for example, the drummers from the Netherlands, uh, the piano player Mauro is from uh, Sardinia, um, the bass player is from Spain. Wow, a whole lot of different influences. And the singer's from, uh, guitarist is from the UK. And uh, we were all together, we were like family, they're still my family now, like they were, they were just absolutely amazing. So it was a big thing for me to leave them and have to come back. But it was a lot of it was a financial burden to always go yeah. to go back. I got prepared for it, so I decided to put plant my feet down and uh, hang around in South Africa. And um, did you play shows in when you were in South Africa? I, was, I went. I, I got very depressed for quite some time because I wasn't playing with that band anymore, and I was back in South Africa after like touring Europe constantly. Yeah. To back in South Africa, and I was still doing the crazy end stuff. Uh, I wasn't playing as much, I was writing uh, quite a few yeah. uh, things. And with Crazy N, we had uh, uh, we did the song with a British singer, uh, Clarissa Mitchell. Yeah. And um, her label put us up, uh, put us in touch. It was Ambush Entertainment, uh, uh, Alistair Jameson. And Alistair Jameson put us in touch with um, uh, Mark JB. And Mark JB's uh, a remixer from uh, Bumbo Jones. He's a DJ. And um, Bumbo Jones uh, and amazing duo and they've done so many things in the music scene it's, it's it's insane these guys remix like official licensing when for example when michael jackson passed away yeah. these guys were outside his house talking on bbc oh, like, they, they, so they they've remixed Big michael shot. jackson they've remixed like like pretty amazing artists throughout the world Big and they decided to take on that song of ours it was a dance track called sugar sweet and they uh, we licensed it with them and that got me involved in learning how to license music with different distribution channels um, so that's the, so interesting yeah, so the laws in South Africa were very different back then uh, in like 2012 with the licensing arrangements between the rest of the world because I don't know if you can remember you could have iTunes in this country but you couldn't you could have it on your PC but you couldn't like purchase yeah. songs here and you couldn't yeah. do that you remember so you have to like get a so that's part of the licensing the issues. licensing but then that opened up from like 2013 2014 but I <clears> learned <throat> in that time how to and what aggregators were and aggregators were the mediums between taking music to those channels yeah. and then from the musician to those channels to the audience and I, and I signed this deal up with Content Connect Africa and uh, remember you used to get those scratch cards they, they had this thing called uh, MTN Play and you could get your music up on oh, yeah, MTN yeah, Play yeah. so we got the songs up on there and uh, even I got the Broken Record Project song for like a Valentine's Day it was MTN's Valentine's Day what? song what? Yeah. yes but you guys obviously made some big bucks out of it not really no but we made money uh, okay. but, but it's not like it, it so it's not so it. glorious as it's, one would thought it's, it's not but it actually helped me I mean like the money I got to because with publishing deals and, 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 and all of that sort of stuff uh, with mechanical rights and like oh, when you're going into sync rights and all yes. that's not money immediate it's not like I get up on stage and I play and I yeah. play afterwards you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's drips and drabs it's, it's, it's over it's, you get paid out like once a year once a yeah, year two yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. you know the cycle that goes yeah, on yeah. but when it does come through it, it really helped out and I wanted to learn how that uh, how that all worked and uh, also it helped me like register properly with Samro and get my retirement annuity sorted out and uh, like my um, life insurance cover and I learned about those things yeah, like, like yeah. Samro is full of shit but at so, the same time like I mean at the same time um, I learned how that it's it's Samro's been around for a long time but they uh, the people that are there now it's at a new phase so there's gonna be fuck ups you so know? did that if I can understand correct did that company actually uh, kind of uh, uh, do the uh, annuity stuff and the insurance stuff and all of that how did you how did, you said you learned a lot about that how did that work I uh, I was doing it on my own and you then, were doing it on, on your own with with your with KZN crazy, crazy end crazy end yeah, yeah. That's it. yeah close very close yeah. <laughs> but um uh, so now you're kind of getting the corporate side, you're doing music, but you're getting the corporate, not the corporate, but like the administrative side of copyright, life. The you, copyright. Yeah. The copyright protection. But also of life, because yeah. you said like uh, insurance and stuff like that, that, that musicians normally isn't worried about. No, they're not. Yeah. They're not. And um, uh, not they're not worried about it. It's kind of, it's quite difficult to find out how it's done. Yeah. Um, and... 
um, a lot of people use the, the internet and stuff like now so we uh, we are learning but we're growing with in terms of internet like and, and and the usage and being on the web and what people can search for etc so, so what you sorry to interrupt but what you actually say is go out and do something like you did with the with the licensing and the, the the song the music rights and that and when you actually go and engage and do stuff like that then other doors opens for you of course it's yeah. always because i mean like look for example i so look, look at it as in a philo philosophical way if i uh wanted to get to the shower at this festival uh, yeah. i had to walk past the toilet um and a whole other lot of places to find the shower but i didn't know where the toilets were before now i know where the toilets yeah, are you yeah, know I but i was i was looking so so, so, so that's a simple analogy but, yeah but if you stayed in your tent if i stayed in my tent <laughs> then i would have just pissed myself <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah um, okay. So you kind of uh, went ahead of the conversation because I wanted to hear from you as well. Uh, glory and like glory comes with with playing big shows and traveling overseas and like the scene is worlds apart from our scene here. So now I would like to know. Like you said, you got depressed, but tell tell us more about that. Like how how hugely did the two scenes actually differ hey, from each other? Yeah, of course. You yeah, to ask. just please go for it. No, yeah. just go for it. Go, go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, did you get that question? So like, how was how was the how did the two scenes actually differ? The the the, the two scenes. It wasn't the scenes that differed, it was the mode of transport for me personally that got me from one scene to the next. Ah. So here, our public transports, we got such a beautiful country, such a big, massive place. Yeah. But these musicians are touring in the tiniest place ever. Like, I mean, only a couple hours in Europe and you're in another country. Yeah. So that's for me was frustrating was that in, in those places, I would play to different nationalities very close by. But yeah, when I got back, it was like, it was a mission to try and travel and play and, on a take, your music, and take your music yeah. out across Africa as yeah. such. Why is it so difficult for yeah. us to play in Africa? And that's what depressed me. It was like, why can't I just travel through but Africa? That, you are touching a very, very interesting point here. Is that you get energy out of playing to different nationalities and different cultures. Like the Akadesa, uh, Arthur and Rudy, yes. was telling me at Strab, they were telling me about a music festival, which unfortunately I cannot remember the name of, but somewhere in, in Transkei, where they played to 60% uh, uh, African people and 40% white people you know yeah. so that is like the kind of places you want to go to, to to culturally engage to culturally experience to catapult your music into into a direction but to also learn and to also grow yes yeah yeah it's the uh, it's, it's it's exactly that and it's like, why is it so difficult but yeah. I was going through that I was going through this like depressed mode of like why why playing the victim card but yeah it's not actually and then I realized I have not actually gotten like 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 dipped my toes into our cultural aspect aspects yeah. in this country. Like I've 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 you know it's like a, like a like a little kid dipping their their feet in water to see if it's cold. Or, mm. or actually, I still do that. But like, uh, but um, I realized um, I can either sit back and and just like you know accept it as that and complain about it, or I'm gonna go and find out what is. Yeah, uh, in my country, and I mean, I started playing in South Africa. My my, I I, I wanted to play again. Yeah. Because I was writing music for all these guys, and doing, but I wanted to play again. But I still did not. I realized I didn't have any sort of. No one knew that I actually played the violin apart from like my university crowd, where I, started, yeah. where I was gone for a long time. So I started to. I phoned up a couple restaurants asking that they would book me, and uh, for for shows and. There was this restaurant in Kloof in uh, KwaZulu Natal. Yeah, yeah. That uh, said, okay, yeah, they offer 600 rand for uh, musicians to play three sets. Was this pizza, now around the same time? Yeah, 2010, 2011. This was 20, 20, uh, 2011. Okay, cool. Like, uh, yeah. Sorry, 20, the early 20, like 20, late 2011, early 2010. Okay, cool. So they were asking. So I got that that show, and I found this guitarist. I I, I found the local music shop, uh, which was a botanist music uh, in yeah. Durban, and I asked them um, if they knew any uh, like singer guitarists that that are on on the scene that are looking for a gig because I've got a gig, but I play the violin. Yeah. And I can play to some with somebody. Yeah. And uh, would you know like uh, do they know anybody? And they put me onto Ross Tapson, who was a blues 
guitarist. Okay. And uh, I went and checked Ross out in uh, Westport in his house, and this dude is like living in a, in a, uh, like you know, at the back of like someone's home. They have these little like uh, yes. Like he was living in one of those, and uh, yeah. I rocked up there and went and had a jam with him. Played some Pink Floyd. I was like sold. And uh, nice. We, and, he, and he agreed to that. So three hundred bucks. We drive. 35 minutes to the performance with our own PA system nice. that was his PA system and uh, he was with this girl Heather at the time it was her Amarok yeah. we used to load the stuff into that vehicle drive to the shows and play and uh, they would give us a pizza and two drinks and uh, we would play three sets and uh, for 600 rand and split 300 rand afterwards. So did that kind of become a residency gig? Yeah for it came, okay. became re- I, then I did the first one and they booked me up for like a uh, uh, month afterwards and then I ended up signing a contract with them and doing three months nice so and you could sustain yourself I um, I was living with my aunt I had to move in with my aunt at that stage uh, when I got back from London because I had financed a lot of money and other, other things so I, I moved in with my aunt so I was able to sustain myself because my aunt let me um, I've got an amazing family and uh, okay. she let me live there with while I was establishing this. Nice. Yeah, so you had kind of a, a home base. I had a meal and uh, Okay, well that can that can help a musician to get, you know, on its feet. Yeah. Of course. And um, and then I was doing that and I was playing and then I started playing the circuit, the local like the restaurant circuit. Yeah. And I did that for a couple months. And then in the end of that year, uh, sorry, the following year. Yeah. Um, so, so I started hosting my own shows as well during yeah. that year. I started hosting shows and getting bands to play at, blah, 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 and just some jamming. And uh, I hosted one for a friend that was going back to, she worked for the Alliance Francaise, and she was going back to France. And uh, she, it was her going away party, and she asked me to organize the bands, and I organized Fruits and Veggies. Yeah. Uh, it was a punk rock Durban band at that Okay. So uh, I organized... I checked that, actually. You played with them, yeah. And they, um, they rocked up to... Um, this party and they came and they were just amazing and magical and colorful and uh, nothing came from that uh, at, the, at that point we just jammed I got some good photos um, and after sorry so after nothing came from that in that immediate moment but uh, like a week later I got like an email asking me to come uh, sorry not a week later like um, uh, a week say a month later I got an email asking me to come and have a rehearsal with them yeah but back and forth, I didn't go to it because I was doing this like restaurant circuit, and um, I went to Splashy Fen okay. that year. Uh, so 2012, I was at Splashy Fen, which is also a KZN festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's uh, in South Africa. It's like if you look at music festivals around, like around the world, South Africa. That's one of our uh, like big music festivals. For sure. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's, it's the biggest music festival in Cuisine in Italy. If you look at it uh, for alternative music, you know, it's uh, it's like for different. Uh, when I say alternative, I mean for cross spectrum. Yeah. It's not to one sort of demographic of people. It's like uh, yeah. Uh, much in the same way as Opie Kopi and Rock of the Days and. Uh, I just took my violin and wanted to jam by a fireplace and um, uh, like just jam with some musicians and um, I ended up, uh, they asked me, they were there and they were like, hey, here's you here, come jam a song with us on yeah. stage and I got up on stage and I went and played three songs with Fruits and Veggies and when I came off, the guys were like, okay, we're rehearsing next week, let's get into that and then that was a whirlwind for like two years. Hectic. We were playing our ass. Constantly. I mean, we were, we were doing TV, radio. Yeah. Festivals, like we were going, we were supercharged. Going I mean, strong, we were going, yeah. we were going hard. We were, they, like, I mean, I think at that time of Rolling Stone was in South Africa. You remember yeah. that? Yes, they, yes, yes. They did like a 13-page spread on us at Opie Kopi. Oh, crazy! So that was like even more like we were seen as like this bad scene as, as such. Yeah. And um, uh, but at the same time, I, I, I know the guys. It was such beautiful music. We were, we were hot. It was like punk. And it was like bands like uh, like Shadow Club with us, the Southern Gypsy Queen. Oh, you know, nice. Like at that time, it was like all those bands. Yeah, yeah. Ours. And then uh, you had your more like commercial bands that were, uh, were out and, and, and going around at the same time. But we were we were playing Desmond and the Two Tunes. You know, uh, like cool. that sort of vibe. We were all yeah. jamming. And we got to know each other. Um, and why did that stop? Do you remember the Stellas? Yeah. The Stellas. Yes, yes. The Stellas was that whole whole stage because okay. I mean, it just fizzled out. I I, I, I left the band in 2014 mm-hmm. to start up another band called the Accidentals mm-hmm. and that was with uh, Matt Ben from Sibling Rivalry okay. and uh, Andrew Lokeshaw from THC Yo, that's and uh, old, Badger old. McFer and uh, uh, Woogie uh, from uh, Low Profile 
and uh, we we started this other band up, and then I was doing a little duo vibe. Also in KZN. In KZN, but yeah. touring, like traveling around the yeah, country yeah. and playing. And um, yeah, and then it was just like it was jamming and playing, and then I went back to London after that to go and do a little tour. Yeah. Um, and I would play with my old band, and um, I got back to London, and we jammed, we did the tour, and. I got back after that. In that in that year, I did 216 shows. What? Two, I played, performed 216. Holy shit! I felt what year is this now? Huh? That was 2014. 14. Hectic. Shit. Yeah, and I was absolutely, absolutely, absolutely exhausted. Yeah. And I actually wanted to take a long break from the violin, and I went to Paul Bartner's in Durban. And the guy by the name of Grant Lazerby was like, I was talking to him, and I was like, uh, he plays in this death metal, metal band. Yeah. He was like, here's, um, we've got these loop stations, why don't you try it out? Because I was talking to him, and I was like, I'm feeling so fucking depleted. Yeah. And I just want to, I want to create, don't want to do this. And it's just like, I want, I want, I want my, my own space for a little yeah. bit. And he was like, but like with the violin, it's difficult because I could only just do like melodic stuff and then strum at certain you times. Need some, you need some I other collaborators. I couldn't, I couldn't do it at the same time together. Exactly. So I couldn't use the bow at the same time time is plucking if yeah. I was doing and he was like there's a loop station why don't you try that out yeah and watched Andrew Bird with it but I didn't know like what that was and a whole new world opened and a whole new world and you were like damn now I can actually play solo and there exactly <laughs> exactly nice so I, I, I the first song that I wrote was Chasing Kings which is on my yes uh, yes my, it's on my first album there's a video yeah yeah and yeah that's, that's the first YouTube. song I played on the loop okay. station I'll go on, that, on that same on that same moment in time while I was sitting with the loop Awesome. That's the first song I played and, and learned how to play. And then I, I uh, was still playing and I got a set. I got like eight songs. I remember I did an event for Bose. They booked me for, you know, Bose, the, um, yeah. uh, the like uh, speaker. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So yeah. Bose booked me for a show. It was like to showcase their, their PA system that it was an LG or I can't remember the total name of it. was like that, that really ex expensive, mm -hmm. really weird system. Mm -hmm. uh, they booked uh, myself and I think it was Mickey Burns. Another case in band on the lineup, and I went and jammed at that, and um, um, I, I only had four songs with me, and I played those four songs, and people really enjoyed it. It was just myself solo yeah. with the violin, the loop station, and yeah. the four songs I created, and the audience response was amazing. Then I started booking up, I started phoning everybody nice. and booking up shows and playing and doing this. Awesome. And and uh, I started touring to Cape Town quite a bit on a solo, doing a solo vibe as well. Um, but I had the contacts from traveling with all the other bands before through Cape Town, you know. So I had those people that were in the city, were in Cape Town. So I uh, phoned these people up and I was like, hey, listen, I've got this new solo show, listen to it, blah, blah, blah. They listened to it and they started to book me for shows in Cape Town. Yeah. So I came on a tour for three weeks in Cape Town um, with Bandits, the booking agency that booked me as Mel Gord. That okay. was running it at the time, and that's Nick Gord's uh, sister-in-law, Nick Gord from uh, Seventh Son. Okay, uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So um, we, um, yeah, we ended up, uh, you know, just like she booked me for the shows. I came up, and I enjoyed that tour. And I was actually like, I want to move to Cape Town. And I began recording my first album uh, back in Durban during yeah. that time. And over the six months that I was recording the album, I was making my preparation to move to Cape Town. That was now in 2015. That was in 2015, yeah. yeah. And um, I ended up moving um, to Cape Town. Uh, I started, sorry, I started recording my album. Mm. Uh, yeah, at the, start of, at the start of 2015, and I moved uh, to Cape Town during that time. Now, I totally understand why it, it took you quite some time into your career yeah. to actually come to a debut album yes know? it's it makes yes. very much sense now but yeah sorry before it's did you still want to say something no so i i i i, I came to cape town and i released the album and um uh, and i started playing and like the guys from like uh, you know like the blues cats from mercury they yeah, were, yeah, they yeah. were my first couple shows okay okay and but I, I did like one or two and uh i i started playing on cape town and yeah. just jamming with a whole bunch of dudes and one of my first shows was at uh, Cape to Cuba. Well, I already okay. got the connection with Cape to Cuba through Bandits. Yeah. And I was playing on another tour, and uh, Ono uh, Carstens was in at yes, that yes. performance. And he came up to me afterwards, and he was like, "Hey, man, that's pretty awesome stuff. I've got something later on the year. Would you like to join me at?" Yeah. And I uh, was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, man, dude, that's gonna be cool." And uh, he phoned me up a couple months later and asked me to come and jam with him. And um, I did two shows with him. Um, one at Kirstenbosch Gardens and one at the Tilburg Summer. Concert. 
concerts. That's what. Like, you remember that concert series they had with like uh, yes. and Corin uh, and uh, so that, that that whole vibe. Yeah. And um, I ended up uh, getting there and uh, jamming with uh, uh, with those dudes. But at the same time, I did I, I did opening slots with my band as well. So I'd set up my band. So is there so much? Is it? Oh, should we take a break? So. Um, you, you're moving into that Cape Town scene now, but what I'm interested in is before you go there, I want to go there as well, but I want to, can you tell me a bit more about your studies, learning to play the violin? Obviously you did that in Natal, right? Yes. And then also, um, you, you, you are cla classically trained, yes. right? So yeah, tell me about that. And also, how did you break out of that classic, classical constraints? Look, I never really broke out of the classical constraints. I just found a way to mold it with the other genres I learnt. Um, so I studied uh, classical from the age of eight until I was um, uh, like, like I mean, studying it for like with the Royal School method up until I was like eighteen. Yeah, yeah. And then from uh, nineteen uh, till till I was twenty-two, I did jazz at university. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, I studied jazz violin because I wanted to learn how to do that, and I went to KZN. So, uh, in university, you did not do classical. No, I did. Okay, well, well that makes more sense yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to learn how to. I wanted to learn different forms on it, but it wasn't the first thing I chose. I, I chose to study law. Yeah. And, oh. Uh, yeah, and then I went to Spain and spent time in Spain just after finishing matriculating, and uh, I spent a month in Spain, and I was like, actually, fuck, let me come back and try music. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd applied for music as well. In that, it was my second choice. Yeah. And when I got back, I had these what? interviews. Yeah. The second choice, I yeah. cannot believe. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you know what? The, the University of Cozumel didn't accept me because they didn't have a jazz violin teacher at that time. Okay. So I had to go to study at. Durban University of Technology and uh, I studied there for a year and then they amalgamated with the University of Natal, so they had to have a jazz yeah. like department at that, at that stage with, with that and I was fortunate enough to go there and uh, do the jazz violin studies but I felt very restricted after that I wanted to learn like I wanted not so just... jazz actually did feel you make you feel restricted yeah because I would course. I they, would they, think course. that that that, that classical training would yeah, make you feel more restricted than jazz yeah, listen like uh, like think about it the, the principle of both those studies both those art forms are so precise and so yeah. uh, it's like you learn about all these great German composers and British composers and Italian composers and then you learn with the jazz world you learn about all these amazing American jazz musicians and British jazz musicians you know while you're in university so it's like they're the same 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 crew but just different things you know and I found that very restricting because I wanted to learn what else was there mm -hmm. out there and um, I didn't want to be confined to just, okay, it's the violin, the violin is only a classical mm. instrument. Okay, the violin, he's a jazz violinist. Okay, he's just a jazz violinist. I just want to be a fucking violinist. And you know what came out of that is because now you can branch into a lot of genres yeah. and now you get booked for more gigs. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Exactly. So without even knowing it, you, you were very true actually exploring stuff i mean surely that was not you were not thinking ah oh, i'm gonna get more shows if i you were just curious you I were just exploring do, stuff. i still do classical shows i still do jazz shows i still do now i do rock shows hip-hop awesome. shows you're very do, much in the rock you know, you know it's like it's like rock is my heart led zeppelin is jimmy page is my jimmy page is my for the first song i learned how to improvise i was sitting in my room in london yeah. and i did not i studied it I had learned how to improvise, but I could not improvise. Yeah. And I did not know how it all worked. And I was listening to, I was practicing along with Stairway to Heaven. So I was yeah. doing the melody like da 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 yeah, da da yeah. da da. And uh, suddenly when the improv part came out, where, where like Jimmy's like jamming and he's really digging into it, I could improvise to it. Awesome. I, I could, I could, I could, I could put my fingers in that key yeah. and make it all make sense and move them quite freely. That was the first moment that I realized that that's how that worked because yeah. I am a violinist that can improvise to any key or genre mm. and that's the moment I realized that I could do that was in 2007 nice and with that learn, song with that song nice 
Um, speaking of that, do, do you play any other instruments? I can play the guitar, the okay. bass. Uh, my second instrument at university was the drums. Fuck, I would so love to see you behind the drum kit. No, or I'm, even I'm, I'm, I'm so guitar. shit, dude. I'm terrible. <laughs> my first first instrument actually was the harmonium, which is an oh. Indian classical. I played that from the age of four up until I was uh, eight. Okay. Yeah. So you started before violin because I, I checked in some of your interviews. You started violin at eight. So you actually started playing other music before that, yeah, other harmonium. instrument before that. Yeah, the harmonium and the talams. The talams are like an Indian um, symbols, like a, okay. So they they like these little tiny symbols, and you and you play them. The rhythms like yeah, nice. Yeah, I know those. Yeah. Um, tell me your the experience with Riku Lati and with basket line. Where did you where did you meet Riku? I met Riku at um, the first time I met Riku was at Opikopi. Okay, what Opikopi? 2016. Uh, uh, 2016, yes. Okay, cool. Yes, it was the Unsee. Nice, yeah, yeah. Hat when the Vas- gem. Yes, yeah. when when basket line was in that little trocky. Yes. Yeah. And we were chilling by Chris Kreef's. Uh, oh yes. Chris had invited me to stay at his. Um, Kreef Hotel. Kreef Hotel. Yeah. He invited me to stay there, and uh, I ended up just camping in the same area as them okay with him and Jackie and uh, mm. the one night Chris asked me to well, I, well he asked me to play at the, at the festival and I was like cool so he had this little amp which he hangs up you know in the kitchen area yes. he plays the music yeah, so yeah, I took yeah. that amp off and, and late at night I played in the camp area awesome. and people thought it was a dance set that was happening ah. and they didn't know it was like they were sleeping and I was I mean I was playing like in the early hours of the morning yeah, but they yeah. really enjoyed it but that's the first time I met Rico was at that and then he I, you remember last year they had the what 2016 they had the um, interplanetary folk um, festival yes, yes, at yes. blah 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 where they had all these amazing amazing uh, uh, different like genres they called it folk but there was a lot of different it was like Diesel Plikes was also yeah. on the, uh, also on the ball there's like Mr. Cat and the Jackal mm. I think they were on but there was a whole lot of other uh, really cool really really awesome acts like an experimental like that sort of like genre experimental yeah. and such and um, I ended up jamming at that and uh, with Rico that night and uh, he asked awesome. me up on stage and I ended up playing with him, Jackie and uh, uh, Churchill as well. And then out of that you got quite some work for with, with us because that's where our journey started yes, is with the Wordfields. That's where I was at your, I was at your entrance for, the, for your studio yeah. and uh, I remember you asking, looking up and being like, hello can I help you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I still ah, feel bad yeah, about that. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's Riku for you. It doesn't tell us doesn't, shit. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah sure. Oh, hey, oh, yeah, here's the violinist. Yeah. Yeah, and I came in and it was just like, and you guys ordered those chips, those like flat chips. <laughs> yeah, oh, from delicious. the cafe. Yeah. That was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how many gigs do you play per week? Um, it depends. I, I, sometimes it could be at, at at a maximum it could be five. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it could be two, sometimes and then, three. And then uh, sometimes the, yeah, on a Saturday you would sometimes do like three shows a day. Wait, now, not now. And yeah, well, no, no. Sometimes, sometimes it's very rarely that I, I that I do that now. But like, okay. Uh, it's like uh, it's very rarely that I will do two on a Saturday now, even mm. at that, because I like to keep it open. I don't like to book because um, I've, I've been playing with so many bands. I like to also like. Uh, with the with with the way I advertise my events, I don't like to play too many events in yeah. one day because it's not good. Because if it's like Hezron Cherry's at this event and then the same one, I like to focus it on those events because yeah. those people have had taken the time to book me for that show. Uh, and you want to be there early and you want to know your stuff of course, and you, you want to hang with the people. I, 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 give it, I give it fucking up. I give it a hundred and fucking ninety nine percent. No, for sure. One percent at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there any do you still have residency gigs not really no not really no okay no. that's pro- probably because you don't play covers <laughs> or yeah, do very, you uh, no I, I, I don't play covers yeah. uh, but not like I don't play covers I don't play covers yeah uh, some of the bands I play with will throw in like a cover yeah yeah, yeah obviously that's but that's you don't you're not a cover musician no no <laughs> yeah um, so so with what act do you play the most these days? Uh, with my, my act, uh, Hezron Chetty, just uh, myself. Uh, with, is that yeah. the band you're playing with tomorrow? Uh, so that's the band I'm playing with tomorrow, yes. Uh, so how do you pronounce that name? So the, so the, 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 the band is uh, pronounced Suk Swang. So imagine like Sun Su, Su, Suk Swang. Like, Suk Swang. So like Sun Tzu. Okay, you know the yes, Hall, yes, 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 yes. So it's like Suk Swang. So Hezron Chetty and the Suk Swang. Yeah, and the Suk Swang. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, because yeah, my screen reader reads that all fucked up. How like, 
Ezra Chetty and the Zwokswar. What the hell? What's Ezra getting, getting up to here? Well, look, it's, it's a German word, so it's, it's like that's the way it's. That's probably why, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. Okay. Sukhsfang, maybe Sukhsfang as well. Yeah. Know, with the way they pronounce the Z and W's, but. It um, means, it basically, do you know what it means? No, no, so I was going to ask. It, it means, um, it's a chess move uh, that means a compulsion. It's a, a chess term for a compulsion to move. Yeah, okay, yeah. a check, yeah. a check. So that's the, that's, the, that's the name. And the next album, because we we're currently working on our second album, and it's going to be Hezron Chechi and the Sook Song. Okay. And the t- title of the album is going to be A Compulsion to Move. Um, you, you basically have... You're a live and a studio musician. You do, do you get studio work from time to time? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um. What? Yeah. I want to know about that as well. But how? Um. Do you have any other music jobs that you do, like lessons or? No, no, whatever? no. I have a, I have my own studio uh, in Musenberg, uh, yeah. where I run Mad Violinist Productions from, and um, I that's my company, um, which I set up two years ago. Yeah. And. Um, um, I recently came into getting the space from uh, where I'm at, from the band Beatenberg. Oh yeah. Um, and that's where my studio is, and that's where I run shop. So it's pretty much, I I do all my bookings from there, and the bands that I work at, like I work with Medicine Boy, I work with Bryn, I work yeah. with Banty. I have session work sometimes from other cats. That so that's work. like your office. So that's you, my office. You yes. go there that's, every that's, day, yeah, 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 and you yeah. sit and you phone and you email yes. and yes. Um, is there any music happening there? Yeah, Medicine Boy rehearsed there and my okay. band rehearses there and uh, oh, cool. I record. It's so a, it's a recording own... studio so nice. I get other guys to come in and record. And I write songs for like film and TV awesome. as well and do jingles you... and as well. As and well. you rent that space? And I rent that space. Oh, awesome dude, that is yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. I like, because you pretty much in that boat, you're pretty much the same as me. Yes. So I'm also renting exactly. a space. Exactly, and... I always think about, when I'm doing stuff, I always think about you. I'm like, okay. I, I, I actually do. I'm, I'm oh, that's you. sweet, I'm man. Do. I'm always like when I'm doing certain things in the place. I'm like, we have the a very similar space. Yeah, you know, and operating from there, you know, making things happen from yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, how how often do you do you do studio jobs? Um, quite often. I mean, um, I'm currently working on one at the moment. I can't speak about that one, but like, that's I'm, okay. I'm, uh, I, I've done like a movie called Katoa. Yeah. Uh, with uh, the guys from Mr. Cat with Jackal. Oh, nice. A tail swapper, and that was. A feature film that was um, on like the staircase course for like 16 weeks, I think yeah. that ran for. And uh, then I'm I current. Well, I, just before that, I was working on a documentary for. Uh, it's a, it's called The Colonel Straw Dogs, mm-hmm. which is going to be released next year, and it's a documentary like feature. And it's um, uh, about Muammar Gaddafi and the people that were exiled and went to okay. like other countries. They were in Libya and then they got exiled because Muammar Gaddafi was like, gonna go after them. Yeah. And, like uh, wrote the music for that, and I I, I wrote music for like a, another documentary on seismic activity where they're setting off these charges for whales wow. in the ocean, but it's causing tinnitus in the whales' hearing. Yeah. So I, I I've done that and I've done like jingles with Marcus for Marcus Wormstorm and oh, uh, cool. um, yeah I've done like advertisements and yeah. Yeah. Um so th- I'm doing if, I'm sorry if, I'm doing it. <laughs> I've done. I've done. Um so if you you make your own bookings so but do you you do you have people helping with admin music admin bookings? I've got uh, I, I do it myself and I've got uh, that other booking company Jessica. Jessica, yes. Jessica, <laughs> Jessica and Marinette. They Je- are. Jessica d- doesn't want to, she's, she's too shy to, to talk on my show. I asked her, but she's... <laughs> she's a very shy person. Right? Oh, I'm yeah. joking. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, she'll, she'll do it sometimes, She'll do, but she doesn't know about it. It will happen. Um, so, okay, but how does that work then if they do your bookings and you do your bookings how do that it's just, kind it's of as many booking agents as possible I ah, say it that way because I, I make uh, the money that uh, if for me to sign up with one booking agency mm. uh, they have to sort of guarantee that they can reach my what's my monthly what my average is so the, the so I look at it as a collaboration because mm. what I need to earn in a month to pay for my expenses needs to so any booking agency that comes on board as such yeah. needs to be able to if this is what I earn needs to match that or get it greater for me to take exclusivity with them. Ah, but if not, I sign non-exclusive deals where I they can take, take on that. And uh, and you can still go on and, and do your still. bookings. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what I was 
wondering, you playing with a lot of people and have played with a lot of people. What, what local artists are you still really very much wanting to play with? Is there anybody that springs to mind? What local artists I want to currently play with? Yeah. Um, Difficult question because you played pretty much with them all. I don't actually know. Uh, I've, 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 there, there are so many. Yeah. Know, so where to start? That I that I would like to play with. Um, I I think I would like to draw a jam with uh, BCUC. Okay. Francois. Uh, yeah. Van Coke as well. Oh, you haven't to, played with him? No, I haven't. That's would, gonna happen. Van connect I would, you. I would, I, would, I would like to. I would like to jam with with with, with uh, Karen Zoid. I would yeah. like to also jam with the ladies with Black Bombazo someday. Yeah. Um, is this something that's a must-have for you on stage? Something that's a must-have part of your uh, arsenal? You know. Well, I, I, Besides I, your violin, obviously. That I must have on stage. Yeah. Um, I have quite a few things. I'm quite a spiritual person, so you, I carry a lot of stuff with me. In okay. Place. Well, that's um, awesome. So let me ask you this way: Do you um, do you do you use earplugs when you play live? No. Not. Jeez. Not at all. How are you gonna feel the music? Well, you get flat response. Oh no, Dodge! Come on, let's not get technical. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I, you use? I. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I Want to get in-ear monitoring? I think that would be ah, really nice. I would like to so get. That's where um, I'm going to. I would like to get some in-ear mon monitoring. That's yeah. like uh, really nice for myself. Um, I, I, there's, there's there's certain things like gear-wise that I use on stage. Yeah. I would like to get quite a few things, uh, but I'm building towards that, like little weird yeah. bits and bobs. Okay, so not give too much away of it yet. Yeah, um, not too much. Yes. Worst experience with a live venue? Didn't obviously don't need to name the venue, but your worst experience. My worst experience the live venue was uh, um, somewhere of some of that stories where you're like rocking up at the venue and the posters that you dropped off two weeks ago is still lying on the floor you know behind a closed door you can see it through the window <laughs> that's all that my worst experience that uh, a live venue was it was called a live music venue and such but yeah. they didn't know that they had a band on that night what and um, I'll, I'll give the same show whether it's five people in front of me or yeah. a couple thousand. I'm not really worried. Yeah. Um, but they seem to think that I would give a lesser performance because there were less people in, in, in yeah. there for that night. And uh, they didn't actually even know what was going on. And uh, that was the worst experience for me was rocking up to the place. And, so you uh, kind of felt ridiculed in, in that sense. It wasn't ridiculed. It was just like you know what I'm I, 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 I'm here like your other staff members who are getting paid yeah. terrible salaries yeah. uh, I'm still also rocking up here to play music like uh, and they wouldn't acknowledge us the act that ah. I was playing with at that at the bar and uh, we ended up uh, I, I, I called it I was like I would like to leave the venue right now and uh didn't end up performing that night. Um, oh, you should, didn't actually perform. No, I mean you yeah. don't give me the time of day. Like yeah. that's how disrespectful is that? Like no. I've spent oh, I've spent close to 24 years playing that instrument. Yeah. Like come on, man. I just it's not about demonic respect. It's like I've come to your establishment and I brought a show here yeah. which was a, a negotiation on both parts, and yet you are acting like there's nothing happening here this evening. In, on that point, uh, one of the last things I need to talk to you about, what do you feel is the problem with bar owners not um, acknowledging, and, and this is broadly generalization, obviously there's a lot of not very, very nice and accommodating bar owners in this country, but uh, there is also a tendency of bar owners not seeing um, music as a real job, so they don't really pay it as a real job. What do you think is the most, the, the biggest misconception behind that whole thing and how can we kind of move beyond that I don't think they see it as not being a real job I think those certain specific owners bar owners have their head up their ass so they forget that uh, they, although they're booking live music it's a very important aspect so spend some time on if you're gonna have that in your venue if you're gonna have music live music in your venue make sure it's of a good quality so make sure it doesn't always have to be covers do you know what I mean? Mm. It doesn't. There's, there's, there Treat so the musicians many, right. There are so many musicians yeah. in this country that are not playing covers, but are really good. Get your audience. It's a collaboration. Yeah. How musicians collaborate, bar owners of that caliber and musicians need to collaborate and be like, hey, 
we're going to try this out. Yeah. Let's try a month residency at this place and let's exactly. see your audience. You can't go and try and expect to build an audience at a venue if yeah. you're playing once in a blue moon. How I built myself up was playing that <laughs> that that uh, Italian restaurant for 600 rand yeah. for three months. Exactly. That's how you can actually build something. That's, That's like, exactly how, how you build. Yeah. How, you know, it's like you, you, don't, you don't have to always, don't give the same cats the, the place the whole time. But yeah. you're like, okay, we're going to get this band every now and again and there's some pretty good venues in the, in, uh, around the country mm. that do that. No, definitely. There's not, like for instance, um, I think Cafe Roo is quite a nice. Well, uh, Cafe Roo is like a Cafe Roo is a, uh, it's, it's a, in, in this country, in South Africa, it's a premier. The way it's a premier live music mm. venue. You know, mm. on that on that level, it's like not a stadium, not one of these other like places where the internationals just come in and they booked by like these companies like big concerts and all yeah. these other ones where they get these random acts at like you know these for to support acts. Come on, give us give the other cats a chance. Yeah. For those yeah. for those concerts like big. Book this, the, the, they book up other, these other people that are because these internationals are scared of the talent we have in our country so they book up all these they, then the internationals come in they, a lot of them are actually asking for the sh, like the, the shitter acts uh, to play on the ball my god they're asking they're like oh yes, listen don't, how can you say that yeah. like, like you, you don't Make have enough look good. you don't have enough you don't have enough self esteem yeah. that you're like oh this other band is not uh, is, is, is okay so let's just book these cats because they're not going to blow the audience away as such and you I would love to find a promoter I'm not talking yeah. about bar owners here yeah. I'm looking at the spectrum of promoters on yeah I know I use the word bar owners because we don't really have you know it's, it's a lot of bar owners is actually promoters how sad of course, it is of course, but, but look at Gareth Wilson from like he owns yeah. and, and, and Nickel but like Gareth Wilson specifically he yeah. owns Good Luck Bar yeah. and he runs the bands that come through Opie Copy and yeah. so many other things he works with Southern Pulse mm. that dude is legit mm. that dude takes care of people look at Hank like Park Acoustics yeah. and all that stuff like Hank is another promoter who does stuff in this country yeah. they yeah, promote Gareth and Hank promote what's at the forefront and of course is the yeah. artist like me trying to get gigs at all these slots and doing stuff but I have mad respect for cats like yeah, yeah. you know because they do that last thing I, I want to quickly pick your brain on is on um, view Farka is that how you pronounce view, it view view view, view Farka view tell Farka me tell Torre. me about that tell me about that jam session that changed my life view Farka Torre was the person when I started jamming with the uh, loop station yeah view was like you can do this on your own yeah the first time I jammed with him was with Mandala Kuneni, the South African okay. uh, Muskandi legend. It was yeah, yeah. myself and Mandala Kuneni and Vio Fagatori jammed at a workshop in Komashi. And uh, afterwards I spoke to Vio and um, nothing came from that. But the next time he was coming to the country, I asked the venue owner if I could open for him. Yeah. And the venue owner said yes, and I had this solo show. And Vio has inspired so much of what I do. And I, for me, the, the the African blues music is... Is that what he does? Yes. And uh, wh where did that jam, jam like, session might call happen? It, you might call it that. You might not look at it as African blues. That jam, that wasn't a jam. The jam, the first jam session happened in Komashu. Was that... Oh, so that was the legendary one that, that yes, you said that changed night, your life. Madonna Kuneni, Fiofakatori and myself. The one that... That changed my life. So the what one, did you... Sorry? Yeah. The one that's uh, where I got to play for him was the year afterwards when he toured back Ah, to I see, I see. And that's where I went but, to the But what I want to know is what did you take out of that jam session? Why did it change your life? I was on stage with... Uh, I was on stage with Vio Fakatori. Yeah. And... Um, Medalla Kaneni. And the experience of being on stage with those two musicians is what changed my life. I get it. No, I totally get it. This, I, it's so awesome that you actually didn't say anything more. Thank you, Ezron. This was a truly inspiring Thank you, and John. awesome love conversation. Ezron is a very interesting dude. He is now going to wear. He is a very interesting outcome in life and in the music industry. En hij definitief al dingen gezien en hij dingen om te vertellen. Ik denk was het net zo die, die pinkje van die ijsberg geraakt in termen van die dingen wat hij al gedaan heeft en die dingen wat hij al voorzien gedaan heeft. En um, hij draagt voor een zegevende commentaar op, op die infrastructuur en structuur van die muziekindustrie. Een baie talentvolle violist en um, hoop jullie het geniet 